0: Welcome to B-Side Stories. This is Perrine on B-Sides on Tuesday afternoon, and you are listening to us on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. We are coming up to the Jazz Festival in Wellington, which is kind of, to me, always a great start to the winter in a way to try and pretend that the winter's not really happening um, or at least that there are still some fun bits to it. So, today in the studio I have Ruth Armishaw, who is a singer, pianist, performer and teacher. And we're going to hear a bit about the vo- what Ruth does. So,
1: kia ora, Ruth. Oh, kia ora, thanks so much for having me here.
0: My pleasure. Um, so, if we could start off, if you could tell me a little bit about, like, your background
1: in music and how you got into music. Yeah. Um, I guess it starts back when my parents met in the Auckland uh, Choir, um, Auckland Choral Society, and I suppose they instilled in us the early musical education, and I studied piano from a really young age. And I think that's how I found that I was interested in jazz, and I got a little bit bored of the classical strictness of the classical learning and started to um, foray into the jazz chord structures and things like that. Right. And how, um,
0: yeah, how old are we when we're like when you say you started learning piano young is that
1: probably not as young as young people, I think I was about six. Um,
0: and that sounds pretty young.
1: <laughs> and I was told after a couple of years when I wanted to quit that I wasn't allowed to quit um, until I'd done grade four, right? But by the time I got to grade four, uh, I didn't want to quit anymore. So <laughs> clever parents, yeah. <laughs> um, and I did lots of competitions and things like that, which got me excited about actually performing and not just learning, but learning for a purpose. Mm.
0: So yeah. And there would have been a lot of music in the house growing up,
1: too. Yes. Yeah, so um, my sister led the way, I suppose. She's three years older than me, and she studied piano and singing as well. And we both ended up. Um, involved in choirs at school and then represented New Zealand with the New Zealand Secondary Students Choir and the New Zealand Youth Choir and my brother following in my footsteps, our footsteps. Um, So we got to go overseas with the choir and I think that was where I got my my vocal education was choral. I didn't really have singing lessons because I was focused so much on the piano.
0: Right. And... That kind of so that morphed then into well, how did it change over the
1: When years? I was in about fifth form, my music teacher um, at my school said that I might be interested in going to a summer workshop uh, as a so this was the summer jazz workshop that um, had been going on has been going on for quite a while. I don't, don't know if it still happens, but um, I went in there as a pianist and they had big bands and small groups and um, it was a week. Or five days of sessions and I just suddenly went oh what is this thing called jazz and um started to listen to singers and and realized that maybe that was something I was interested in doing and uh, started singing jazz standards for my end of end of year exams for um was not NCEA bursary um performance music and um kind of went from there but I was still quite classical in my approach because I didn't know any better Um, and then I went to jazz school out of not straight out of school but um, to the Wellington when Massey took over Wellington Polytech Jazz School and that's where I really started understanding what jazz was.
0: Yeah Um, looking back is it kind of to imagine you know someone a 16 year old or so singing the jazz classics is it kind of um funny to reflect back on that and how much you've learned since yes. then and all the, I mean we all have that in all aspects yeah. of our lives but I always think jazz is one that's you know kind of you just build and build as the years mm. go by
1: I didn't I think the thing I didn't really understand was how the freedom you could have with jazz uh, because I was still learning it reading off sheet music that was from the classical way yeah Um, so I would read the rhythms as they were written and I would sing it what I thought was a jazz style of voice but it was still quite square if you know (laughs) what I mean (laughs) Um, but yeah looking back I just wish that I'd understood that it it was about personal expression because I finally feel like I may have found that over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: so, yeah, can you tell us a bit about who has over the years inspired or taught you?
1: Hmm. Um, Well, I suppose the first real uh, influence in the jazz world was my singing teacher, um, Bruce Brown at Massey. And it wasn't just the singing that he helped me with. He gave me the fundamental fundamentals of jazz piano, um, how to take the letters off the page and turn them into a nice voicing on the on the piano, and um, highlight the melody or add interesting notes to the chords and reharmonize the the pieces to take them away from their what seems you know their traditional. Chord structure and make them sound more beautiful or sound more interesting. Um, So the I really have him to thank for my uh, jazz piano, which has thankfully been the thing that has kept me going forward and getting you know being able to do gigs as a solo uh, performer. Mm. Yeah,
0: and. So you went to music, or you went to jazz school, and then you kind of start doing more gigging around.
1: Mm. I th- it was quite hard at the start because my piano skills were still growing. But I got myself a digital piano and a microphone and a speaker system, and I went right now. I'm set. <laughs> now what? Um, so I did. I started doing little gigs like um, in cafes and weddings. Those were petrifying, <laughs> um, and being just me, I suppose there was a bit of freedom there, but um, in the more recent years, I've been able, I mean, I've earned, what well, I would say, I've earned quite a bit of money doing my <laughs> my solo gigs, um, and it was a good, also a good place to practice my um, craft and keeping it interesting, and each time I would do the same piece the next week, it, it would be slightly different, and I'd play around and experiment a lot more as I was going um, and I think that's why I enjoy playing just with myself um, that's not to say I haven't done any collaborations but um, I just I suppose I like having that freedom yeah within just to change my mind on the spot and just go somewhere else rhythmically and modulate to a different key yeah <laughs> or if I'm feeling tired then I can sing lower yeah
0: Well, that's, I mean, like you said, about picking up on the jazz ethos of um, kind of that freedom, right? And so um, what about, so you generally perform solo and
1: obviously that works well for you.
0: (laughs) Are there particular challenges to doing it solo as
1: well? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. you have to have all the energy yourself. You you can't rely on someone else helping lift you up. And the times when I do perform in a in a band, I just I feel there's, it's such a different beast because the other musicians are giving you things um, all the time, little ideas to f- to follow with. Or um, but also the the <laughs> it spreads the pressure, which mm. is is handy. I do sometimes find that I put that pressure on myself all on myself to arrive there, to get everything set up, to, to um, deal with the, the, the venue and things like that. So when it is a band situation, I do attend to and enjoy myself in a different way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so when you are performing by yourself and you need to psych yourself up for a gig, do you have particular
1: routines that you'll go through? Um, yes, sometimes I'll... I tend to try and arrive really early. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, good at, I'm good at arriving early. Um, and sometimes I'll just sit in the car and chill for a bit and um, do some wobbling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, often I've been teaching all day, so I'm pretty warm. So it's more about just actually sitting and doing nothing for 10 minutes. Um, and then I set up, but I try and set up with enough time to go and sit down and actually just have a drink of water or um, think through my set list um, or talk to the patrons or um, just to kind of take my mind off the fact that I'm about to sit down and work, I suppose. Mm. It's work, but it's enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but that routine is – it depends where I am, I suppose, because a lot of the time I'm doing gigs where I know people or um, they're coming to see me, so – and then I like ask them if there's a song they want me to sing and oh. yeah crowd pleasers. <laughs> wow well, sometimes I ask on this on the gig and on the spot yeah which is dangerous oh cool, yeah because <laughs> then people some pressure. Will ask for something and you're like yep and I'll just Google that and find <laughs> the lyrics and the, the chords and make it up as I go but um, I've learned to say how about this one it's kind of the same yeah
0: <laughs> so like, oh veteran move. <laughs> um, and so the kinds of venues and yeah what kind of places do you like playing
1: I really like playing in the sort of in the, the late afternoon cafe kind of vibe um, I think that it, it, it's it got a nice sort of casual aspect to it um, in fact I suppose the difference I noticed, so last year, which was only in November that we had the Jazz Festival because of COVID, <sighs> um, delaying it. So it's not that long. It doesn't feel very long ago because it wasn't. Uh, I performed at El Barrio, which is my s- Friday gig this year. And oh, you have a regular you have residency? No, but um, I played there for the Jazz Festival and um, they wanted me to come back. So that's oh, really cool. nice. And I... S- it felt like a lot more, f- even though the venue's not formal, the, the punters well, were sitting at tables and staring at me, and I found that more disconcerting. Um, whereas at the, um, I played the year before at Cabletop, Top, which is my Thursday night performance at this, this festival, yeah. and people were sitting around tables and having dinner and um, tapas, And it was a really nice, relaxed sort of atmosphere. People were talking, but they were listening. And Mm. I quite like that vibe Um, where the pressure's a little bit off.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've always wondered about that because sometimes you think it must be off-putting because for a performer, you know, throwing your heart and soul into this and everyone's just chewing on their dinner. Or
1: (laughs) I guess when I'm sitting at the piano, I'm a little more focused inward. Yeah. Um, inward, deeply, deeply <laughs> inward. But when I'm standing up with, say, I really enjoy singing with a guitarist because um, again, as I said before, there's that um, bouncing off of ideas, mm. but they also have a different vibe um, and timbre to their sound that brings out different sounds in my voice, but I also get to interact more with the audience. So um, it depends on the day, I suppose. I, mm. I like performing, and I'm, I guess I'm quite visually outgoing. Like I like to um, share my energy with the audience. Yeah. But there are times when you just want to be a little bit more introspective. So I suppose so, I do enjoy different formats. Both.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you? I mean, you know, the world's a bit weird at the
1: moment. But typically, <laughs> do you tour a little bit? Um, I'm quite, I guess I'm quite sort of a a homebody. (laughs) Um, I like going away on holidays, but I guess it's always based around the school term because I teach a lot and um, I I teach singing at schools. And so um, I guess I've just found that I end up going sort of holiday to holiday, school holiday is the way that my timetable works Yeah, so I've never really reached out to do that but I, I have some ideas um, which hopefully in the next couple of years will be able to happen um, to to do some maybe just the North Island yeah. start small you know go to a few places where I know people yeah yeah
0: mm. and can you tell us a bit about your teaching how you kind of transitioned from the learner to the teacher and yeah, um,
1: yeah how that how that has been for you. It's, it's interesting because, of course, when I first started, it was sort of this, someone said, oh, do you want to do this three hours a week teaching? And I thought, well, that's that's easy. I can fit that around everything else I'm doing. And um, i just finished studying, but I didn't really know anything about teaching. Mm. But 20 years later, <laughs> um, I think I've found it so helpful with my own performing. Um, I'm continuously, continually, <laughs> uh, well, except le- learning or reminding myself of the things that I should be focusing on when I'm performing and learning my new music and things like that. So um, every time a student brings a new song to to me that I've never heard of, I'm learning about different repertoire, and I have to do a bit of listening to help them to sing that better or the way that they want want it to sound. So I'm always trying out different sounds in my voice. I find it actually quite interesting. Um, I've discovered a lot of things that my voice can do, even recently, than what I knew the voice could do before. So definitely my students, also they bring me that energy mm. of... Um, Wide eyed wonder for new things. So I try and give them that um, broad base, like the fact that I've sung opera and jazz and Brazilian music and um, folk music and musical theatre, all of those styles that I try and find out whether they are interested in and go in the direction. And then slowly introduce them to the other styles that they weren't, they didn't realize they were interested in at all. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can you tell us how you got into the Brazilian music? Mm.
1: So, uh, again, back at uh, Mesa University, we had a course um, called Latin Ensemble. (laughs) And at the time, I knew one bossa nova or Brazilian, it wasn't even a bossa nova, a Brazilian piece called Másquenada from high school, and I didn't even know what we were singing about. Um, But I thought that that was Spanish. (laughs) Yeah. But it's Portuguese, <laughs> um, and so that was a steep learning curve. But it really opened my eyes to listening to um, some of my favourite jazz singers. Sarah Vaughan did an album I Love Brazil, and I just started listening to that on a loop, and realised that there were this harmonic, different harmonic language and a rhythmical language that really just sat really nicely with me. And so, and my postgraduate year I studied a um I decided to do an arranging uh, project where I arranged and then performed Brazilian um pieces all of Jobim um Antonio Carlos Jobim and that was a big project I arranged them performed them had a 10-piece band or something and um it just made me fall in love with it. I had some help with the Portuguese, but when I listen back, I'm a bit cr- it's a bit cringy because since then I've met so many um, Brazilians who, when I listen to their voice, I've I've realised what the sounds naturally should sound like. And while I still can't speak Portuguese, um, I don't know what I'm. You know, I have to learn what I'm saying song to song. I haven't actually gone out and studied Portuguese as such, so. Uh, but the sounds sound more real to me now. And yeah. so I'm finding that I can sing them with the right timbre in my voice. And,
0: mm. and so how did you go about I mean, How do you just meet, meet members of the Brazilian music community oh. or Brazilian community in Wellington?
1: Well, th- through that um, project, I contacted the embassy and um, they did put me in touch with Alda Hizenge, and she is probably Wellington's preeminent Brazilian singer. And I've collaborated with her a few times. But it wasn't until 2013 that I went along to an, a venue. They were having the Brazilian Film Festival. And that, it was their opening night. And I met a whole lot of exciting, interesting people who were performing. And I started attending their events Um made some really good friends and they had a club called the Latin club every Tuesday night at meow. And I got to perform in that. Um, I picked up a handful of songs and practiced them really hard because I was very scared because of the (laughs) the actual audience was probably half Brazilian. Wow. (laughs) Um, So I kept in touch with all of those people and um, I went to salsa dancing, which a lot of them were doing as well. So it was a, it's a mix of the latino new zealand kind of community and um it's a very vibrant cultural community and i just kind of fell in love with the the heart of it yeah yeah so
0: it sounds like the heart of the community and you know everything that's happening around the music drew you in as well as the music itself definitely and there um, was can you i don't know if you can say in words what what the bossa nova and other brazilian styles kind of how they what was so appealing to you about
1: them i think um i think i touched on it before but it's the there's a different rhythmical language it feels they talk about the um, bossa nova swing now it's not the same as a jazz swing um but it feels more laid back and in, in your i don't know in your hips maybe um and then <laughs> of course moving, there's, in uh, moving. <laughs> and there's the samba which is a Really shimmying, kind of shuffling, rhythmical dance. Um, but bossa nova is much more laid back, and you feel like you're sitting on the back of the beat a little bit. Um, it's harder to do just on the piano with me, myself and I. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you can hear, um, for example, in a in the cajon drum where you s- the one that you sit on the box and it has um, the metallic. Uh, thing on the inside that's like at the bottom of a snare drum Mm. but it it just makes that shuffling kind of feel come alive and I I love how the the words create that play between the the rhythms of the the words and the rhythms of the drums and I don't know there's just something really you feel like you're transported Mm. Um, there's that feeling of the waves on the beach and and you know you just you can see the crystal clear water in your, in your mind when you, when you sing about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So this is excellent for the, um, you know, kind of armchair travel that we are doing at the moment, right? Mm. Are there things that you've kind of been a bit more careful about or, you know, kind of been like, you know, when playing music from a culture that's kind of newer to you, are there things that you, areas that you don't go to or...
1: (laughs) It's it's hard because it depends on how I... Because I don't speak the language, obviously I have to be quite careful to get the language right. So anything that's too fast, I, I steer clear of mm. because I don't want to butcher that and I don't want to be swearing accidentally <laughs> or talking about something um, inappropriate by getting one vowel wrong, for example. Um, and... Also, I am quite aware that there are really good Brazilians who are singing this music in Wellington, uh, so I try not to tread on toes. But that's why I really enjoyed working with Alda in her band Samba Society, just because um, that's that's her baby. Mm. And I could learn – I learnt so much singing and rehearsing with them. Um, and she's, she's just such a great collaborator. She brings in people from – everywhere within different areas of wellington music scene and that's great yeah Mm. um
0: i wonder if we should talk a bit about the jazz festival coming
1: up
0: (laughs) so you have two shows on Mm -hmm. this time the one up at the cable car and the one down at
1: el barrio Mm -hmm. and
0: you're going to try and check out some
1: music as well? I hope to. Um, it, it's quite difficult because of the timing of my gig. I really want to see on the Friday night at 8 o'clock is Marco Black. Uh, but I finish-ish at 8, <laughs> 8.15 so. so, um, and we timed it so that, because it's directly across the road from the Opera House, so that people may come and um, have a drink before they go to the show. Mm. But that does not bode well for me because I... Then can't go. (laughs) Maybe I can sneak in at halftime. Wink, wink. Um, stage. I got the absolute pleasure of hearing her live at Meow back in 2013 and her voice, the way she sang, um, I believe, if I recall, she was singing some bossa nova and jazz standards in Tereo. And quite amazing just the the way that the sounds worked perfectly. Um, So, yeah, really, really hopefully I can zip across the street to to see her. Mm. Um, And then I've got a friend, um, two friends coming down from north of Auckland, um, uh, Maggie Gould and Nanny Assis, and they are a duo. Uh, I think they have a quartet playing, though, um, on Sunday Mm -hmm. afternoon. So... At least I'm not playing on Sunday. So I'll be playing 5.30 at Cable Top, the top of the cable car, on Thursday the 10th. And 6 o'clock at El Barrio on Dixon Street on Friday. Right.
0: So if people are keen to either come and see you again or see you for the first time, those would be great ways to come and check out some local music. Well, local music with an international twist.
1: Yeah, I should say, I suppose the Thursday night will be a more um, jazz standards, though right. I might throw in a couple of the repertoire that needs a bit of practice, you know, um, <laughs> from my Brazilian gig, which will be on the Friday.
0: Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us. We're going to go out listening to a song of yours assuming that it all downloaded well (laughs) via my computer. So the song you've picked is Quietly Crazy. Can Uh you just tell us about that one?
1: Yeah, so I wrote this one um, when I was feeling a little bit like I had to hide who I was um, in leading into a relationship. (laughs) Um, But I wrote it with sort of a comics sort of bent, which was – Bruce Brown, who was my teacher from university, um, was a wrote amazing comedy style jazz standards, and I think I hoped that I was sort of channeling his quirk in this song. Yeah. All right, let's give it a whirl. I've always been a one
2: to share more than most would care to hear, but now I'm lost. Self-sense it at the point when I really want to tell.